The Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, U.S. Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey, back from the United Kingdom, what some might call the Green and Pleasant Country, but apparently is also nicknamed Old Blighty, uh, which is news to the people over there. But anyway, I was hanging out with the staff of Eurogamer, but I am now officially back. And joining me today is Bob Mackey, who does not travel. I, I'm not allowed to leave the country. <laughs> I don't mean to rub salt in your wounds. No. It's just funny that we're jetting around the country and you're stuck back here. I just got a passport. I can't tell anyone where I'm going, but it'll be a big, fun surprise. Congratulations. Yeah. You're ready to, like, explore the wonders beyond our borders. I'm ready to finally get out of this crazy country we call America. Speaking of wonders beyond our borders, we're going to be talking about quite a few games today, including Japanese RPGs, which is very exciting. But we're going to start with... Undertale, which Bob just reviewed, and I've played a bit of. Um, I don't think I've gotten out of the tutorial dungeon, but it's interesting game. Um, do you want to kind of summarize it for us? Sure. Uh, the problem is, and if you read my review, I go over this a few times, the problem with talking about Undertale is giving away specifics will ruin it for a lot of people because it's a game very much built around surprising you. Um, but essentially, it is a send-up of Japanese RPGs, but it essentially uses the tropes of those RPGs and the mechanics and the systems in order to uh, build a certain kind of familiarity with uh, those ideas, and then it immediately will subvert them at every opportunity. That's what it does the best. Um, so that's basically my elevator pitch for Undertale. It is a it is a game that uses the JRPG uh, mechanics in order to subvert them and play with them in many different strange and um, fantastic ways. So when you first start out, um, kind of the only things that you can do are attack and then also converse with the monsters that you encounter, uh, which is one of the more amusing things that you can do. Uh, do the systems ever get like more advanced than that? Well, I mean, it's always that fundamental choice between um, deciding to go for a hostile or a non-hostile attack. But as you go through the game, the sort of dialogue puzzles... Um, that will give you the non-hostile solution, get more and more complicated and more and more interesting. I, I'm normally a non-hostile player when I have that choice, but in this case, I, I really wanted to go for that choice because the battles were much more interesting when you were trying to trying to go through the options and figuring out what order you need to put them in or what order you need to go in to uh, get that non-hostile resolution to the, to the conflict, to the combat. And it's the non-hostile resolutions that are usually, or at least in the early going, one of the funnier things that you can end up with. Yeah, this uh, is a very funny game. And that's, an, I mean, that like you said, that's another reason because you're just getting more jokes, more funny animations, more interesting ideas if you're doing this non-hostile stuff. And um, like with every enemy you encounter, there are different options to choose from. Every enemy has their own unique options. It's kind of like uh, dealing with demons in the older Persona games, except there's more like sense to it. You're not just like picking random answers and then being surprised when you're not telling the thing the thing it wants to hear. Yeah, <laughs> negotiating with demons in Persona has always been the worst because it's just basically randomized responses, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think they're um, I don't know if they're randomized. They're like they're always connected to something, but it's just like I like baseball. How about you? And you say uh, I know, and I hate you. I'll kill you. Or that's basically <laughs> like 
how the demon conversations go. You have no idea. Like, there's no context provided. But in this one, like, the enemies will talk. Like, some enemies will just be really wimpy and be like, don't hurt me. And then, like, one of the options will be like, like, don't pick on this enemy. And then they'll appreciate that. And then you can spare them. Like, sometimes it's, it's just that simple. But other times, like... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna give away the examples I gave away in my review because again, these are all these are all puzzles, and I don't want to give away puzzle solutions. But in one case, you uh, one of the enemies is like this like flirty bodybuilder who instead of attacking him, you just basically keep choosing the flex command until he flexes himself out of the frame, and you win the battle. Like, <laughs> but in every time, every time you choose that flex command, you have a you have to dodge a bunch of biceps as they're rolling up through the top through the uh, bottom of the screen because, like I said in, in the review, there's that. Really super interesting WarioWare style battle mechanic where every time you're dealing with enemy attacks, you are you are locked into this, this really tiny, really like five second long micro game where you either have to dodge projectiles, collect certain things, shoot certain things. It's re- it's always so imaginative and just the m- amount of ways they're able to play with this this basic idea. It, they just keep doing new things from the beginning of the game until the end. Oh, okay. So it goes beyond the kind of dodge the bullets thing that they have early on yeah the majority of them i say most of them are sort of those bullet hell things but there's some times where you don't have to move your little avatar sometimes where you have to move it in a certain way other times i'm not god i can't give away anything but other times the entire menu system changes the box grows bigger different things happen it it is always doing new things mm. that you never assumed it would ever do with this very seemingly simple setup so this is kind of a game that you just want to roll along with yeah, and I, I do see people being disappointed that it's not as traditional an RPG as they want it to be, but I, I would say it's barely an RPG, and, and like I said, it uses those familiar mechanics in order to lull you into a sense of complacency so it can just mess with you at every opportunity. It's very much like WarioWare in that it's all about subverting expectations and screwing with you at every turn, and that is why I like the game. I mean, I think if you're looking to get into it to like build a character and develop skills and try on weapons and armor, this is not going to be the game for you. It's more about just like being very playful with the this really entrenched idea of the Japanese turn-based RPG. Even though it's not made by anyone j- Japanese, it's made by Toby Fox, and I, I believe he's American or she. I'm not sure even the gender of the person who made the game, but I know they're not Japanese. I was going to say that even though it looks kind of like Dragon Quest, I guess, um, first-person perspective when you're fighting enemies, um, that sort of thing, it it feels more like an adventure game, just in the sense that you're spending a lot of time solving puzzles, um, lots of traversal puzzles, at least early on. Um, and, and the, the, the actual systems are practically non-existent. So a lot of the game's, uh, charm, it seems, is dependent on just on the writing and all the weird things that are happening, which, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, especially since um, some of the most beloved JRPGs out there had some pretty minimal systems themselves. Um, I look no further than Final Fantasy IV, which we've brought up on this show a few times. Great game, uh, m- pretty minimalist in terms of systems. Um, a lot of its, a lot of its appeal is based on the story, so. Um, but you know what? If you go back to the original Dungeons and Dragons, um, there are plenty of people who don't really give a damn about min-maxing their character. They just want to experience a story. So oh, yeah. there you go, right? 
Right. I mean, like there, there are only two stats in this game, I think, just attack and defense. And you don't gain any skills or any special attacks or any magic. You're just always fighting or doing the nonviolent conversation options. Or they're not always conversations. Sometimes they're actions like, you know, you, you pet the dog enemy or you, like I said, you flex for the bodybuilder enemy. But I was not really looking at, at it as an RPG, even though it uses those mechanics. Like you said, it's more of an adventure puzzle dialogue game. It's it's very like it's really hard to classify exactly what Undertale is because it just pulls from all of these um, different genres. But it it takes the form of an RPG, I guess. That's what it is on the surface. I've finally sided with Jeremy. It's a waste of time to classify things anymore. I know. It just I mean, like at the end of the day, it's irrelevant what what you label something as. I, mm-hmm. It's just a way for us to categorize things. And sometimes that's helpful. But it, when it gets down to, like, why are we even arguing about this? That's when it's not helpful. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where if this year has taught me anything, it's just looking at the breadth and range of games coming out. And so many games just keep coming out that completely divide, defy genre conventions and use, you know, tropes or design elements from a whole mess of things to kind of create their own thing. It's just like, why am I going out of my way to put this in a particular bucket? Whatever, I'm just going to roll with it. Um, in the case of Undertale, superficially, yeah, it resembles an RPG, uh, but it definitely has a very different flavor to it. Regardless, even though it doesn't have mechanics or systems per se, I, I mean... It's interesting. It's an interesting game, and I, I'm I'm always happy to see a game that kind of relies on its wit, because frankly, we don't get that nearly enough. Oh, for sure. I mean, like this is a game where something will happen, and you'll be like, "I can't believe they did that," and then <laughs> they will just double down on that idea and turn the game into something completely different. And you're and you're like, one person made this game. They had to sit down and think about how to turn this RPG into something completely different just for the sake of one joke. And it's always worthwhile, and it's always just like you Wait. want to play just to see what happens around the next corner. And like this may make it sound like a very gimmicky game, but the boss battles and the special enemy encounters in this game are actually very difficult and very interesting and have like go through all these phases, require a lot of like split second timing and smart decisions. So even if that uh those RPG mechanics aren't fully fleshed out, there's still a lot to dig into in terms of like what the combat is like. When you say that these battles are very difficult, do you mean in the sense of you know, doing the mini games um, properly and then being able to work out like what you should be doing to these things, like in terms of conversation choices and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, the first the first few turns with any enemy is you're just always like figuring out like what what do I do now? And if you screw up, you always have to sit through uh, one of their turns, which involves you getting damaged in some way. Uh, you can avoid it, but uh, like some of the attacks are pretty hard. It can get kind of bullet helly, uh, like a bullet hell shooter sometimes but yeah i mean like it really is just figuring out what the enemies want from you and then moving on from there and luckily this game is so smart in that once you fight the same enemy a few times you never see them again so you don't just have to go through the motions of like okay now i gotta do this now i gotta do that now i've gotta wait for their turn to end once you see an enemy a few times that's it that's all you'll ever see of them and they move on to the next enemy to show you some new weird thing or some new weird idea how long is this game 
I, it's actually pretty long. I'd say it's between six to eight hours, and there are also different paths you can take. Um, mm. And people are still trying to figure out, or maybe they have. I have not looked into spoilers, but there's like a true ending that you need to do special things to get. But there's like a there's a hostile path and a non-hostile path, and maybe some wiggle room between them. But um, again, this game does some very inventive stuff with everything, including your choices to be either like a murderer or a peaceful person and as you like travel through this land of monsters and learn about who the monsters are and why they're there uh you begin to feel compassion for even the really mean ones and you're like i i shouldn't actually kill these things um but i i am planning on doing a hostile playthrough just to see what will happen in the game because uh everything is so goofy and everything is so feel good and like i don't know heartwarming that it's very hard to want to kill anything but i just want to see what happens when i do yeah, this is a game that drops you in with very little context. It's just all of a sudden you're in a maze or you you talk to a thing, you get introduced to the mechanics a tiny bit, and then you're kind of being guided through what seems like a maze by a friendly goat? Llama? Goat goat lady? I don't know what she... Goat I, lady? Yeah. Uh, and she's like helping you out with puzzles and everything and kind of being nice um, and teaching you the mechanics. Uh, and then she goes away and you're like, oh, okay. Um, and then you keep going. And then the first time you have like a real battle, just the fact that you can end it peacefully made me go, um, it's, uh, there must be some kind of penalty. I don't know what it is, but there must be some kind of penalty for doing, for killing these monsters. Like, it makes me think of near where it's like with with the big uh the big the shock twist at the end of near um so i immediately just went well i'm going to be nice to these monsters and it's going to be good so but there were points where like i i guess my health was kind of low or i was having a hard time dodging all of the bullets or whatever so i was just like eh, screw it you're dead <laughs> Um, and then I always felt bad when I did actually kill them because I was like, it, it's like Metal Gear Solid, right? Where it definitely is the the much easier option because you always have the fight option. There's nothing to figure out. You just stop a meter and then you know attack the enemy that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say it's like Metal Gear Solid, where whenever I was forced to kill an enemy, I was immediately felt horrible. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Metal Gear, there there are things in this oh, game. Oh my God, Metal Gear! <laughs> there are things in this game which is not an RPG. I'm pretty sure uh, there are things in this game that would probably make uh, Hideo Kojima blush if he saw them. This, these great Ooh. fourth wall breaking moments that, again, I can't talk about because you have to experience them and they have to surprise you. But it's one of those things again where I'm like, I can't believe someone actually thought to do this and they're doing it and and they're really committing to it. I can't believe this is happening in a video game. It just um. Uh, the developer, I, I honestly can't wait to see what they do next because just like all of these amazing ideas came out of one person and uh, with some help with art and music and the soundtrack is just fantastic. You can look it up great on YouTube soundtrack. now. I, I definitely recommend it if if you need someone to help sell you on the game because, man, what a great soundtrack. I'll just give a really minor, exper- um, really, really minor example of how they break the fourth wall. There's a point where you're like walking in the tutorial dungeon and they go, do you like, what was it? Do you like cinnamon or butterscotch? Oh, right. And I'm like, uh, cinnamon? And they're like, well, you wouldn't hate butterscotch. And I'm like, yeah, I, I like butterscotch too. Um, and then I was going, and then I died. And I reloaded. And I started walking again. 
and I got the same call. But this time they go, no, wait, wait, don't tell me. It's cinnamon, isn't it? And I'm like, yes. And I was like, ah, this is one of those things where like the enemy, where the NPCs have awareness, even if I like reload from a previously saved game. I gotcha. There's lots of that stuff in the game, including some things. Again, I, I sound like the biggest idiot because I'm just like, I can't tell you guys why this is cool, but trust me, it <laughs> is. Um, like things that make me think like, how will this game ever make it to consoles? They're doing certain things in this PC environment that they would need approval to do on a console. So I'm really wondering if Undertale can make it intact to consoles um, with all the things that it's doing that, like I said, probably can only happen in the, the PC space. But I can't talk about what they are. Well, it seems to have picked up a lot of steam um, recently, getting a lot of very, very positive reviews, and it seems to have a dedicated community. So if history is any guide, then Sony will descend upon them relatively quickly and try to get them on the PlayStation 4. I really hope so, and it's it's been a, it's been a bit slow going. Like um, I I mean I was always going to review the game, but when I saw that no one was, I stepped up my game and was like, I need to play this over the next few days and get it done. And now um, Giant Bomb has a review, and so does PC Gamer. So a lot of people are finally realizing like there are so many retro throwback indie RPGs on Steam. I'm sure a lot of people dismiss this as just just another one of those. But then I assume that they found out that it's something much different. And I will say, if you are making a retro, cutesy, indie throwback RPG, you need to do something a lot different now. Because uh, Undertale basically just, like, did it all. Well, that's the same for a lot of indies, indie games in general, right? Where the the indie bubble, as you would call it, has burst. And there's just... The, the market is just so awash in indies that you have to really do something genuinely interesting and great to be able to stand out or else you're just going to get drowned out by the noise. Um, and Undertale seems to have done that. I mean, despite its pretty, uh, I would say, very simplistic uh, presentation, uh, its humor seems to have wanted a, a broad audience and it certainly impressed you. You gave it a 5 out of 5 review yes. over on US Gamer. I don't know if I've given anything else a 5 out of 5. Uh, maybe mm. Dark Souls 2. Maybe. I, that, I, that could be the I, only other game. I would have given Shovel Knight a 5 out of 5, but Mike beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, that that's a 5 out of 5 too. But um, yeah, I mean, like PC Gamer is really harsh. Uh, they're really harsh reviewers, and they, they have a 100-point scale, so they need, they need to be more discerning about what they're giving things um, because they have the, such small increments. But they gave it a 91. And if PC Gamer gives something a 91, that means a lot. 100-point scales are stupid. <laughs> I agree, but that, that just makes that 91 um, more meaningful, I guess, on their scale. Let's take a completely arbitrary point system and make it as, like, and make it even more arbitrary and, like, make... It's stupid. There's no uh, yeah. scientific method to it. I agree. At the same time, you can't you can't have a conversation about why it's not a 93 or a 92. You know? Yeah. So, uh, but I could tell you why it's a five out of five. It's I mean, nothing is perfect, but this game did everything I wanted it to do, and it surprised mm -hmm. me at all times. And I want to immediately go back and play it again. I want to tell everyone about it. I want to talk to people who played it, so we can talk about the weird things that we saw. And um, it's 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 a terrible experience reviewing a game like this because again you can't talk about specifics based on what the intent of the game is. And I had the same problem with the Magic Circle, which is another indie game that um, didn't get a lot of attention but developed a pretty pretty small cult following. It just is it's relying on surprise 
So you really can't talk about why it's good. The the people reading your review just have to trust you. So I hope people trust me. Um, if you don't trust me, look at the Metacritic score. I trust you, Bob. Thank you. You know, it's funny how the RPG genre is so heavily reliant on storytelling. Not a lot of RPGs with good stories. I'm just going to go on a limb there. That's entirely true. And I... I don't know, like, normally I would be put off by this much dialogue in an RPG, and, and the, this, this kind of... Uh, <laughs> so, so wait, you, normally I would be put off by this much dialogue in an RPG. I think that's a great sentence. Yes, I, because exactly as you said, most RPGs don't have good dialogue. It's more like, oh, we have to have all these townspeople say something, and we have to do this, and we have to do that. But that's why I like playing Dark Souls, because it's like, everything that's there is there out of necessity. All the text that's there needs to be there. There's no, like... There's nothing superficial or superfluous. So everything that's there is meaningful. And the same thing is happening with Undertale. Like everything is there. Nothing is there just because it needs to fill space. There's always a joke. There's always some new idea. There's always some weird subversion of something you're expecting happening. And that's what I like to see with that kind of content. Yeah, the problem is so many RPGs just default to genre fiction or they they default to the tropiest content imaginable that goes for... That goes for Bioware. Um, that goes for, I mean, the Final Fantasy series tries to do some really interesting things, I, I guess, but they often don't hold together particularly well. Um, just kind of on down the list. Um, when an RPG does have a really good story, it's often a treat to play. Yeah. And I can think of only a handful off the top of my head that I would consider like, really genuinely great stories uh pillars pillars of eternity even though it's i, I wouldn't call it anything special it it, it didn't make me, it wasn't painful yeah, I mean, it I wasn't like that, painful i like that undertale and is pillars of eternity uh, uh like the planescape uh successor no it's uh kind of the baldur's gate okay i was thinking successor? of something else but um, it's by it's by um obsidian Okay. Uh, the thing I like about Undertale, though, is just, like, it starts off so simple. You you fell into a hole, and you're in this new world. Mm. And if you compare that to something like, I tried to play uh, Final Fantasy uh, Type-0 recently, and the second you start the game, it gives you an entire history of the world up until, like, the point your character was born, basically. And just, like, you need to, you need to let me know if any of this is relevant, or you, you need to make me care about any of this stuff before you start telling me about it. Like... That's what I really dislike about RPGs. Like, we need to build the world first and then put you in it. It's like, no, no, put me in the world. Let me let me find out things about it on my own. Like, let me decide if this is interesting or not. I'm like, I'm looking at my shelf right now, and Dragon Quest V definitely has a great story. Oh yeah, and that and again, it's very simple. Like, you're you're just born into this world and you're with your dad, and that's it. Just things pick up from there. I would argue Persona Four has a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think that just the the nature of the genre, which was born from, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons was basically stole everything from Lord of the Rings, right? So, and then RPGs were born out of Dungeons and Dragons. And so that kind of genre fiction is baked into its DNA. Um, a lot of people have been comparing it, com- have been comparing Undertale to Earthbound. And that's really no surprise, right? Because Earthbound is another game that's, pretty weird and is cherished for its very strange sense of humor 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely uh, uses a lot of visual cues and audio cues from the Mother series. And, and I'll say, like, it even goes a bit farther than Mother ever did in terms of just being playful with mechanics. Mother and, you know, the whole Mother trilogy did as best as it could to, you know, be fun and inventive and playful. But at the end of the day, it still had to be an RPG with stats and hit points and magic points and skills and everything like that. Undertale doesn't need to have any of that happening. So it could just kind of screw with the battle system as much as it wants to do. So I think, like... Like it's even like it's like an evolution of mother into something maybe mother could have been if it kept going. Well, that's actually pretty interesting. So, in order to kind of deconstruct the RPG genre, it had to basically let go of anything, any of the systems or kind of gameplay mechanics that we would traditionally associate with with RPGs. Pretty much, yeah. Hmm, that's pretty cool, actually. I like that idea. I mean, once I figured that out, like, that was what it was doing, I was like, oh, okay, like, I don't need to grind, I don't need to worry about equipment, I'm just going to, like, take this stuff as it comes and just laugh at the jokes and have fun with all the weird things they're going to show me, and this game is only $10, it's, it's such a, it's like an eight-hour, just fantastically strange RPG experience, it's, I can't recommend it enough. I sound probably so annoying in my review, just being so effusive (laughs) and positive, but I couldn't help myself... I just want everyone to play this game. I want to be an advocate for this game. Um, and it's up there in my Game of the Year material already. In my, sorry, my Game of the Year category already. Um, hey, when it, you love a game, you climbing love the charts. a game. Yeah. I'm playing, I mean, this is unrelated, but I'm playing the Shovel Knight DLC again right now. And good God, it's so much fun. I love that game. I love it. You need to go play it. I do, yeah. It's, is that free for everything? Uh, the Plague of Shadows DLC? Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, cool. Okay. I got to go back. Yeah, you just go download it. It's totally different and hilarious. And I suppose my final comment is, yeah, it's kind of disappointing that there aren't a lot of RPGs that aren't, like, strictly humorous, right? I mean, there are lots of RPGs with humor in them, but for a genre that kind of made its bones about on storytelling, or it was originally distinguished by the fact that it had a story. It's always disappointed to me, me that we don't have enough comedic RPGs or RPGs that be, could be classified as comedies. It's something that's very hard to do. Uh, like a lot of the attempts at humor I see in games, and not just RPGs, it's a, it's the very kind of try-hardy Borderlands kind of material where they will not let a joke die until they're sure you've gotten it, and everything is like super broad, super over the top. Lots of, like, joke stacking, like, a character will keep commenting on the joke that they made, just like, okay, I get it. But this this <laughs> game feels very much like, kind of like Twitter-style style humor, where the jokes are in and out, they're very understated, they're, it's it's very much like um, the, the friendlier, softer side of internet humor, the the stranger side, I think, that's, that's not as, like, mean-spirited, not as... Um, Again, not as broad. It's very like specific internet-y style things. Lots of things in the game are about how certain animals are cute. There's a lot of animal cuteness, which I think is a very internet style uh, kind of attitude. I think it's just a matter of the fact that it's hard enough to do like a two-hour movie or a two-hour show about that it could be constituted as a comedy. Uh, but to do a 60 to 80-hour RPG uh, that's a comedy <laughs> maybe not impossible because i mean you have plenty of tv shows that are comedies but certainly very difficult that's true and i think that's why mother mother 3 is kind of a tragedy 
It's, uh, I mean, it starts off as like kind of a light and fluffy adventure, but then soon, no spoilers, soon after the beginning, it turns into a pretty dark game. So oh. I think even, even the people making mother games were like, this is hard to, like making a game funny for this long is hard to do. Oh, so you don't like Mother 3. Oh, I love Mother 3. Okay. But I mean, I, I feel like it's not trying to be a comedy after a certain point. It's like a very, very, um, very melancholic, very bittersweet game. Hmm. Interesting. Well, moving on, another game that you reviewed is Persona 4 Dancing All Night. That's right. You seemed uh, <laughs> uh, less effusive about that one. It's it's just fine. It's a it's a good celebration of these characters. My biggest issue was the amount of resources they spent on this very long, very involved story mode that is kind of just much ado about nothing. It's not terrible, but it doesn't really need to be there. And I'm I'm questioning what what more songs could have been on the um in the game if they just had cut that out entirely. How long is the story? Because okay, I think. I think there's at least 20 to 30 minutes worth of material that goes by without you interacting. Oh, oh, for sure. Like it's total visual novel style, um, style, uh, game. And, um, yeah, like I would say there's maybe eight to 10 hours of just pure story, all voice acted, um, that are just, you know, separating these songs that you could just otherwise play by selecting them from a menu. And I, I enjoy these characters and I enjoy the world of Persona, but I feel like they take this, this premise way too seriously like they're really trying hard to justify why all of these characters are in an idol band but you don't really need to do that like the idea the premise of the game is is bizarre and compelling enough that you don't need to tell me why this is happening but they spend so much time like justifying it and it's just kind of frustrating to watch Uh, i mean they kind of did that with persona 4 arena too that's what i heard and i didn't play that game because i don't play a lot of fighting games but i just feel like the priorities are very strange like persona q was just a total wacky i need to go back to that game by the way but it's just a total wacky crazy balls out like celebration of these funny persona characters where the the premise is very flimsy but who cares because the game is lots of fun um, but in the case of, like you said, the fighting game in this game, it's just like, they're trying a little too hard to make this like, le- to, le- to legitimize this dancing game when all I want to do is watch these characters dance around in silly costumes to good music. It's almost as if they were mandated. You have to create spinoffs to Persona 4, which is insanely popular in Japan. And Atlas went, ugh, well... We might as well come up with a way to make it make sense in the universe. And then they went way overboard. Yeah. I'd like to know if anyone out there actually enjoys this story. Like, I really like Persona 4's story. It was a very, like, uh, serialized TV murder mystery style setup that kept me going, kept me playing to the next day to see what would happen. And this is just like, yeah, another character's going to get sucked into this world. And I'll have to save them. They'll have to confront their, th- their true selves, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to happen again and again and again. And these new characters aren't really that interesting. I like their designs, but just like I, this is not very necessary at all. But you don't have to play the story mode at all. You can skip it entirely. I don't know if you get anything special from beating it. I don't remember. But the real meat of the game is the dancing stuff, the rhythm sections, and those are fun. Um, nothing too com- complex. It's basically the most basic interpretation of that kind of an idea. But the music is so great. The remixes are fun, and it's and the dance numbers are just amazingly choreographed. It's just like you're basically watching a bunch of Persona Four music videos while you're you know interacting with the music. Great soundtrack is the secret weapon of a great RPG. Yeah, you listen to those songs a lot. 
Um, but I have to wonder if Atlas is now like, can they can they possibly use these trot these characters out again, uh, even after Persona Five? I'm just wondering if this is the end of the Persona forecast. I mean, they're so popular that, and the story in the world is big enough that they probably could bring out these characters again. But I would rather that they brought them out in um, maybe more of a crossover context. Uh, in, like if they made a true like sequel, say per, see say with Persona Six, they bring out the entire cast from Persona Three, Four, and Five, and have them team up. I mean that could be interesting. They kind of do that in Persona Q, but that was a spinoff. It's a little right. different. I'm talking about like something that is genuinely advancing whatever the heck is going on. I think the problem is it. The the the, di- the different elements don't always mesh together super well because, I mean, you see that in Persona Q when the characters from 3 and 4 unite. They're like, oh, well, I use a gun to draw up my true self. <laughs> and also, have you heard of the Dark Hour? And they're like, Dark what? <laughs> I mean, so every it, it, you'd have a lot of different threads to unite. And Persona 5 looks even more different, so... Yeah, I wonder if after literally eight years, Atlas is is uh, kind of anxious about introducing new characters to their fans. Because like I said, we've lived with these characters uh, for eight years, and even longer with the Persona 3 cast. So it That's is weird so to weird. think that we'll have a new group of Persona kids to uh, to play with. The funny thing is that the Persona 4 characters are really similar to per- the Persona 3 characters. Oh, yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure there's an analog to all of them. Oh, yeah. Pretty I was closely. Playing, I was playing Persona Q when I was traveling, actually. And while I was playing it, I was just struck by how similar the characters are, like, across the board. I think the only character who doesn't have a an analog, maybe, is Yukari, the... No... Uh, yeah, I don't think she really has a direct analog unless you want to count Mitsuru. Hmm. Um, Mitsuru is the the very mature uh, student council president. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't think she does, but I mean, Junpei and uh, Yosuke are basically oh, yeah. the same goofball character. <laughs> and Chie and What's-Her-Face. <laughs> and kind of on down the line, uh, you definitely... You definitely see a ton of similarities going on there. Um, but, I mean, that might have been a product of the fact that Persona 4 came out really soon after Persona 3, relatively speaking. And certainly compared <laughs> to the d- gap between Persona 4 and 5. It was, it was only two years, or maybe three. But, uh, yeah, that that's it's almost been a decade since the last Persona game. I mean, it's crazy to think that. I just... I mean, Atlas only really made internally one HD game so far, and that was four years ago. And that was Catherine. Yeah, I think it was a couple episodes ago we were talking about Persona 5 being delayed, which uh, was pretty unfortunate, but maybe inevitable. Literally a year is going to pass before we get to play that game. How far did you get in Persona Q? I didn't get much past the first dungeon because I had a ton of other stuff to play that uh, season. Mm. So, Yeah, I finally just made it to the second Labyrinth. But I like what I played a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love Etrian Odyssey and just like playing that with a more familiar cast and a better aesthetic, I think, is is really the big draw for me. So I really need to go back to it. But it's like one of maybe 20 RPGs I've started and just left left behind, you know, and intending to come back to it. 
I started playing Persona Q last year in like December and I was really enjoying it and I meant to keep going but then I got to Amsterdam and my 3DS died and I couldn't figure out how to charge it for the longest time uh, and I discovered that I had to buy a European charger to be able mm. to get power into it um, but as a result I kind of lost the thread and got involved with a different game but now it's become this thing where like whenever I travel I always seem to end up picking up Persona Q again but I finally managed to get the Persona 3 characters into my party oh cool did you get the Persona 3 characters um you know what I don't remember it's been it's really? been a long time since I picked it up but I, I was I've been thinking about it I'm just like oh, I gotta go back to it and they really expand the mechanics uh quite a bit once the Persona 3 characters show up and I just love all of the little individual touches like when you're in the menu screen uh when the persona 3 characters show up you see them doing random thing like doing interacting in random ways with the persona forecast that like is totally like in character for them it's 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 actually really great i just great game pretty underrated so far i mean i gotta play more of it but i really wish i had more time to play it but that is the the lot of a game journalist, I guess. Oh, yeah. um, uh, I will say that I was not particularly keen on Dancing All Night's story uh, from what I played of it because it was so long. Did not hate Persona 4 Arena's story. And that's because I, I think it was just briefer. And I think that at the time, the it was more novel to have a new Persona 4 story. And that was the first instance in which the two groups of characters came together. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, what's going to happen next? And then, like, it gets to the end of the story. Like, you finish a particular character and it's like, now play a different character to find out what else is going on, right? And then the different stories come together in interesting ways. So Hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily think that it's essential, but it's certainly fun to play if you're a persona fan so maybe in that regard persona 4 arena and persona q both work better than persona 4 dancing all night now you did write an article about dragon quest builders uh which did since as long as we're talking about tokyo game show what are your thoughts on that well, I mean, I think Jeremy would be able to weigh in on this better because I think he actually mm. played it, but um But Jeremy's not here. That's true. But I will tell you that I I kind of dismissed this game as just like, "Oh, good job Dragon Quest. You realize what kids like now." But then I watched the trailer, and this is all based on the trailer and some things I read, but just like, "Oh, okay." Like I I I tinker with Minecraft. I've been playing around with it since like the alpha or whatever, but it's just like there's too much to do and like even though crafting there's some assistance with crafting it's just like i gotta start from scratch and i don't feel like looking up mods and but with dragon quest it's just like here's a guided version of the minecraft experience with dragon quest stuff in it and if that's what it needs to take me to get into the minecrafty kind of play i will definitely give it a shot i mean that's basically why it looks interesting to me like okay this is this is a means for me to enter the world of minecraft as it i assume it will be for a lot of old people who understand dragon quest but don't quite you know have a thing for minecraft yet not me not my kind of game i get it it just i i need the the i need the endless free time of a child to do anything meaningful in the world of minecraft 
I need somebody to get off my lawn right now. <laughs> and that someone is Minecraft. Um, just in the sense that, you know, I, th- I think you're right. And I, isn't it a large part of Minecraft's appeal and like the mods and the crazy things that you can do? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, it's just like an end, like a kit to build endless anything. So, I, I like I said, I think I even said in the article, like I wish Minecraft had been out when I was a kid. I, I like I dreamed of a thing like that, like infinite Legos in my life. Me but too. now, now our our generations of children have this thing, and I'm I'm so jealous of them because every child is talking about Minecraft everywhere I go. Do you think they're going to put actual RPG elements into this thing? I really Probably think not. they do. Uh, Jeremy said there was like a dungeon where he fought enemies and things like that. So huh. all of the Dragon has sorry, all the Dragon Quest hooks should be there. And it, and from what I heard, it's it's pretty nice looking. I assumed it was a uh, just a portable game, but it's actually for PS4 as well. No, oh. did you hear the did you hear the hook of Dragon Quest uh, Builders? Yeah, uh, I guess it's like the bad ending of Dragon Quest One. What happens after that? I like that actually. It's very cool. I mean, like I, I like that they found a, a space, like a, a space to put that game. The bad ending being, or it's like the you get a choice at the end of Dragon Quest: either challenge the final boss to a fight, or team up with him and rule half of a left guard while he destroys the other half. And Dragon Quest Builders goes with the second option. Yeah, <laughs> and you're rebuilding it, so. I mean, cute, uh, cute take on it. Or it's a, it's a good conceit for getting people into this experience. But really, we all know that it's kind of a cynical attempt to cash in on Minecraft, which is very popular over in Japan. It is, um, but I with will a known say, property. Like, Dragon Quest is kind of like was born as a plagiarized item, I guess. Like it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it does its own thing, but it was really like uh, one guy in Japan saying, "Okay, how do I make a version of Wizardry and Ultima for you know the Japanese audience?" So Dragon Quest never started as a very original thing to begin with. So it's hard to be too mean about it trying to do Minecraft now when it was just it's always been latching onto whatever's popular since the very beginning. Uh, continuing on with kind of a Tokyo Game Show recap, I guess you could call it, um, which. Apologies that we didn't get it to this point already, but unfortunately, the kind of, the people who could talk come on the show and talk about TGS uh, with any real authority were not really present on the show over the past couple of weeks. But um, and Jeremy is unfortunately not available. But uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, but they announced some Bloodborne DLC, right? They did. I believe it's called the Old Hunters. Mm-hmm. And um, it's meant to explore the um, God. I wish I got uh, Ludwig. Ludwig, one of the characters in the game who you never see, but he was the church's first hunter. This will all make sense to you if you played Bloodborne. And uh, he actually has uh, one of the best weapons in the game, which I love. This is Ludwig's holy blade. But apparently, it's sort of like a prequel. Oh, uh, and, yeah, I know what that thing is. And you're going to find out what happened to, to Ludwig and. Um, yeah, I mean, like, as with anything Bloodborne, they never say anything about what you're going to get. <laughs> but I'm just excited for more Bloodborne because it's it's going to be a very substantial um, piece of DLC. I think it's pretty highly priced, too. Ooh. I think it's a $20 uh, DLC thing, but from what I hear, it's going to be very substantial. And um, I've been looking for a reason to play more Bloodborne. I've already gone through it twice. And, um, yeah, like, From can do no wrong at this point for me, so I'm going to trust them because... Uh, they the... can for me. It's What's called that? Armored Core. Oh, 
I don't I don't count that. <laughs> it's just not from anymore. At this point right. it's like two different studios. I count the from from 2009 onwards, but um like the Dark Souls 2 DLC was fantastic in that it was a developer totally addressing criticism and trying to do better. And they they're very much that is their philosophy with this kind of DLC like what did we screw up screw up screw up in the fix it how can we make it better and I think that they're going to do that with the Bloodborne DLC give people the levels that they didn't see in the first game or sorry in the main game do things they wanted to do but maybe didn't have time to do give new weapons and armor to give more variety to character builds things like that so I honestly think this is going to be great even if Bloodborne left you uh, you know a little disappointed. Yeah, Bloodborne has been pretty highly praised by most people, but if I hear one fairly common criticism, it's that there are people who think that it just wasn't deep enough. Uh, are you? Do you believe? Do you agree with that? I would say they're they're right about that completely. There are only a few ways to build a character, and there are certain builds that are that are possible, but they're not very practical, like the blood tinge and the arcane builds. Um, for the most part, you want to play with a strong, you know, strength and skill based character and play it kind of like a Devil May Cry or Bayonetta style game. So if, if you're interested in trying, you know, different builds and stuff, I can definitely see how Bloodborne, um, it would be disappointing, but like the moment to moment action in that game is what really gets me playing it. Like I love the enemy encounters, um, and I love the bosses. So I don't actually mind the playing it through, you know, with the one style of gameplay with the one style of character rather. Other than that, other than, I suppose maybe more variety of uh, a greater variety of character builds, and I guess just more Bloodborne. Is there anything else you want out of this DLC? Definitely, I want a lot uh, of different weapons and armor because there's not a huge variety in the game as it stands, and that's basically because weapons have to do a lot more than be just this thing you swing. They have to transform and change, so they have to put a lot more work into designing a weapon, but. I just want to see different armor because you you don't have a huge amount of variety, and I want to do uh, fashion souls, which is what we call it in the Dark Souls community, where you just completely neglect any sort of practical concerns and just put on the things that look best. I mean, I do that in my RPGs anyway. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's didn't not I exclusive. tell you that RPGs are just are RPGs for me are just dress yeah, up. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's why I love Final Fantasy fourteen and Dragon Quest nine. Just like I love playing dress up with little fantasy people. So, <laughs> who cares about numbers? I mean, I. I go if if an item is really good stats wise but does not look good I will go out of my way and use the crappier piece of gear just because it looks better. I actually just did that in Final Fantasy 14 because I play a female character and in the stronger uh like armor for my 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 lap area I guess you'd call it was basically just like a pair of leather bikini bottoms and I was like I'm not wearing those my ass will be hanging out. <laughs> And it's getting all saggy. Yeah, well, my character works out. Yeah, oh, I see. But I didn't want to be, like, harassed um, by male players or or actually stare at a character's butt cheeks for, like, as long as it took me to level out of that gear. <laughs> uh, that was one thing that I liked about Diablo 3 was that uh, I I would go out of my way to spend quite a lot of money just dyeing my armor and changing it up so that... I could have all of the stats benefits, but that it would look the way that I wanted it to, because gosh darn it, that was really important to me. Uh, it's just, I, I, I do think that there is kind of a critical element in RPGs where you are putting your own stamp on your character by being able to make them 
look the way that you want and distinguish them from other characters. So it's not surprising to me that there's a quote-unquote fashion souls community out oh, yeah. there. <laughs> for sure. Well, other than that, uh, TGS this year, apparently not that great. Um, <laughs> there was a Kingdom Hearts, uh, another Kingdom Hearts remake is coming out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you really <laughs> want to play Dream Drop, Drop Distance. Like all over again in HD. God, <sighs> I've already registered I mean, my disgust about this, but uh, I just, I feel like Kingdom Hearts needs a reboot and they need to find another, not another developer, maybe another creative team at Square to figure it out because it just, nothing has changed in the past four, fifth, 13 years. Hey, 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 they've layered on a lot of superfluous systems. Yes. They don't actually change the nature of the hack and slash. I, uh, well, I mean, they never bother to take anything out. So with ev- with with every game, it's just like, <laughs> wow, there's just like so much to do and none of it really matters. But I want to like I want to like this series. It's just I have no faith in it because they just keep treading water and I don't know when they're going to stop. Yeah, the problem with these this compilation is that I think it focuses on the the portable iterations uh does this have the psp one on it? that was actually on 2.5 ht i think there's only one game on this if i'm not completely yeah i think there's only one game and some like playable prologue stuff um for whatever kingdom hearts 3 is going to be so i think the only thing that's on this release that is that is previously sorry previously existed was a dream drop distance uh, that was one that I did not have to play, but I had to play both 358 over two days and was it Birth Before Birth, Birth by, by Sleep? Sleep? Yeah, I had to play both of those for review back when I was still freelancing for various outlets because most outlets didn't particularly want it, so that so they would farm it out to freelancers, and inevitably I would have like three outlets coming and saying, "Cat, could you review this?" And because I was poor and I needed to eat, I was like, sure, fine, whatever, I'll review it. Uh, I, had to, I had to do the guide. I had to do the guide for 358 I'm over sure millions of people saw that, right? In Japanese. Oh, God. I had to play it in Japanese so that I could do the guide. And I discovered the true joy of... God, I, re- I remember it was... Lots of platforming puzzles. Mm. I think there are boxes involved. Was that the DS one? It, yeah, that oh, was the was DS pretty, one. Pretty gross looking too. It was a it was a bad game. It was not a good game. Birth Before Sleep was a little better, but it had so much repetitive content and characters who, frankly, I didn't really care yeah. for. I think the common criticism of Kingdom Hearts, not to beat a dead horse, but they really did get away from the Disney stuff too much. Yeah, like, I feel like that was, again, I've said this before, but I think that was them safeguarding themselves. Like, if we lose the Disney license, we'll still have all these characters that can continue the story. But yeah. they that hasn't happened, and they're not doing a lot with what they've created so far. I just, I want to see such a weird and interesting idea I originally loved to go places, but they're just kind of happy to be like, oh, here's a Little Mermaid world again, have fun. I look forward to Star Wars randomly sh- <laughs> and the Marvel heroes people randomly showing up in oh, Kingdom I'm Hearts. Oh, I'm sure. And if 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 a Star Wars level gets you excited about Kingdom Hearts, please like curb your enthusiasm because it'll still be Kingdom Hearts. I imagine they'll have oh. some like super gimmicky thing like how Pirates of the Caribbean was in, in Kingdom Hearts 2. I'm sure there'll be something like that in Kingdom Hearts 3 and people will be like, oh, I'm going to get it now. Now I care. But 
you should just you know just stay uh stay skeptical about kingdom hearts that's all i'm saying Cyn- wear your cynicism like armor exactly over your heart they're only trying I'll to that- like um pander to you for the most part if they're doing things like that i'll say this i'm reserving judgment on kingdom hearts 3 and I'm reserving judgment on Kingdom Hearts 3 because, at least in the trailers, it it looked better. Um, it looked fairly similar to what's come before, but, I mean, it certainly looked a lot better graphically, and it looked kind of fun. So, I don't know. I don't have high expectations for it, but I'm going to at least give it a shot. I would like it to exist so we can stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... Yeah, I suppose so. And so uh, Tetsuya Nomura can justify his uh, employment at Square Enix. Whatever, whatever he's doing, we need to know. We need to real. We need to understand why he's being paid. Uh, I suppose the last little tidbit that kind of caught my eye over at TGS was Jeremy's bit about three promising RPGs um, that he saw over the show, and I hadn't realized that. VanillaWare is back at it again um, with a game called Thir- 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which, yes, it sounds like Pacific Rim and it has a giant robot, but it's okay because Vanillaware, VanillaWare's games always have killer art. They do. Uh, pff, sometimes it's questionable designs. Sure. Um, I didn't play Dragon Dragon Was it Dragon's yeah. Crown? I didn't play Dragon's Crown because I thought the uh, the artist's interpretation of the female body was kind of grotesque and not fun to look you at. You didn't play it? I didn't play it, no. I really liked it. I, I That was just the immediate turnoff for me, and I know he's a talented uh, guy, and I know he can do great stuff, but just like the weird like uh, funhouse mirror Frank Frazetta style he was going for was just a little too hard to look at for me. So I was happy to see him be a little more subdued in what I've seen with um, with uh, the characters in this game so far. My solution was, in Dragon's Crown, was to be the elf. And the elf was okay. not, like, weird-looking at all. Like, she was just basic elf wearing a hood, long hair with a bow. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Sure, why not? And then... For the most part, like, and then I found myself playing a a decidedly above average uh, RPG brawler, and I had a great time with it. So, yeah, mm. it's a uh, it's a shame that it's been kind of overlooked because it really is a, a really enjoyable beat 'em up, which I don't say very often because beat 'em ups have kind of I feel had their time in the sun. That's not a controversial thing to say at all, but. As for 13 Sentinels, not not a lot known about this one, but I got to say that it's I, I agree I agree with Jeremy when he says that you don't often see uh Kamitani kind of going into the more futuristic look. Like usually he sticks to like North Norse mythology or kind of a fantasy aesthetic, so I I like this this change on his part and I especially love that he's doing mechs. Yeah, the art looks really cool. I'm interested in knowing what this game will be. I still haven't really liked many Vanillaware games. Uh, I've I've enjoyed them, but they've always been a little too repetitive for me. So hopefully there's some interesting gameplay stuff in this one. Play Dragon's Crown. Maybe it'll change your mind. 
You can get on PS4. Mayhaps. I'm sure it's probably cheap Ooh. right now. I'll wait for a yeah, sale. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. And the new Odin Sphere is coming out. That's yeah. right. That That's a very pretty game that I played the first uh, world or whatever, and I was like, okay, I get it, and that was done. So I hope uh, this new version will make things a little better. Yeah, I, I wrote a, a summary of like kind of everything that's going on with Odin Sphere, and sounds like they've they're changing almost everything and i seem to recall maybe i'm imagining this but i seem to recall jeremy writing about it at some point and also expressing his optimism for it because i seem to uh, he either he was lukewarm on the pre the first the original odin sphere or he or he liked it but it kind of like where it wore thin for him i'm not sure which but I think he called it, like, uh, this is going to be a good game made great. Yes, that sounds... The remake, I, I think he wrote that for us, I'm pretty that's, sure. I mean, that's super positive, right? Yeah, I agree. Like, um, I just remember, like, oh, this is a very pretty game, lots of horrible slowdown, and I fight a boss, and then the second uh, chapter starts, and I'm fighting the same boss with a different character, and I was like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, Otisphere had real problems with slowdown and also a lot of repetitive content. And then, yeah. but this this remake will presumably not have slowdown problems i hope i would really hope after two two <laughs> generations and also obviously the graphics are being substantially improved and it sounds like he's kind of taking a page from dragon's crown um and having branching paths which is pretty cool because in dragon's crown i mean he had a certain number of levels but what would happen is you would go in and then you would choose like which which way you want to go and the hmm. the the direction you choose is basically an entirely different level, like completely different enemies, different objective, and a totally different final boss. So in essence, you have double the number of levels. So it sounds like he's doing that with Odin Sphere, which should vary things up quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a better better game this time. But, well, that's coming within, I suppose, next year for the most part, except for maybe the Bloodborne DLC. Is that coming out this year? I think that's uh, November. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, yeah. We're going to be busy, won't we? Is there any any RPGs oh, yeah. that you're looking forward to in the rest of the year after, now that you're oh, done with Undertale? Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to Final Fantasy XIV's expansion, and as soon as I beat the main game, which should happen sometime this year, that's that's a fairly new RPG. Mm, I suppose so. Yeah, I think the expansion came it out came in out like, E3 like, September. Uh, I think I think it was like August or September. I but, could be um, wrong. Yeah, I, I've been getting really into Final Fantasy XIV, and I recommend that you check it out if you're skeptical. Mm. Yeah, now that Persona Five's not coming out, um, it's. A little more of a question of what else uh, is coming out, though. I am looking forward to Cosmic Star Heroine. Hmm. Uh, you're familiar with that one, right? I'm not. Uh, that's the one done by Robert Boyd, who also did like Breath of Death 7 and Cthulhu Saves the World and the Penny Arcade games. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, yes. That looks kind of like Chrono Trigger. That's right. Yeah, I uh, that that was off my radar, but you just reminded me of it. Actually, it's totally on my radar, along with Fallout Four, which I am going to be playing for sure. Oh right, God, I forgot about Fallout Four. Okay, yeah, that's that's something. Oh, I Oh, you do want to play Fallout uh, God, Four? I need to get... Oh, for sure. I want to. I need to beat all these games before it comes out, though. I need to play more Metal Gear Solid Five and get to the end of that Gargantuan Beast. Yeah, well, I'm currently 
tied up with NBA 2K. So, <laughs> which is, it's a basketball RPG. Um, with directed by Spike Lee, which we were talking a bit about how RPGs have a, a thing for tropes. Um, NBA 2K is basically like a really tropey sports movie. I see. Uh, you know, one of those sports movies where it's like, he thought he had it all, but then he discovered the darker side of the game. The price of fame. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's, it hits all the beats that you kind of expect in that frame, in that context. But yeah, enough about NBA 2K. In any case, Bob, thanks for dropping by. No problem. We're wrapping up just as uh, Louis getting cranky. Oh, your bird's good. That's my bird, not my son, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Where can we find you? Uh, Please check out uh, me. I'm on, uh, sorry, I'm on Twitter as Bob Servo, and I also do the classic gaming podcast Retronauts. We just did a Dragon Quest episode that Kat unfortunately could not be on, but I still (sighs) think we did a bang up job, even though there was something missing. It's because I hate JRPGs. It's because you refused to cancel your vacation to be on Retronauts. I found that extremely rude. Yeah, it's because I hate JRPGs. (laughs) (laughs) I've read that. Yeah, that's I heard it uh, from somewhere. I don't know where. Because you have to like them all. It's all or no. nothing. I know. I actually do like JRPGs. Um, and I'm really sad that I couldn't make it to the Dragon Quest episode. But I'm told that there's... Spoiler, there's a, uh, a PSP episode coming up. And I will definitely be on that one. It could happen. Yeah, I'm looking forward happen. to it. Um, as usual, you can find us over at US Gamer. Um, check out our Twitch channel and YouTube channel and Facebook and Twitter and all that. It's US Gamer Net. Follow me over on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Um, we're heading into the, re- the teeth of the review season, so you're going to have a lot of content over on US Gamer. I got a cover story that's going to be going up on Monday talking about Japanese expat game development community. So if you are really into that sort of thing, and I think that there's a quite a nice little crossover, like the Venn diagram is very favorable in this instance, then you should go check it out. But otherwise, Bob, thanks for dropping by. No problem. I had a lot of fun. And go play Undertale. It sounds like a super rad game, and I've certainly been enjoying it. Uh, but otherwise, happy adventuring. 